Welcome to the division round, everybody. we got some great games lined up for Saturday and Sunday this weekend. But before we look ahead to that, we need to take a look back. And we need to take a look at some of those bold predictions that we made that maybe some of them weren't so correct. We're going to take a look at that. And our season-long plum picks this week. It's a good time to uh, poke fun at ourselves. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Run Up the Score. It's Donald here with Scott. Hi. And via Skype, Tom. Hey, everybody. I made the mistake of not saying that Tom was calling in on Skype during the year-end awards last week, and I was reprimanded for it. Like, yes. you got to tell everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's important. Speaking of uh, Tom via Skype... Uh, and Twitter and things like that. Tom, uh, we need to check in on our year-end awards that we gave out. For those of you who don't remember last week's episode, we gave out our year-end awards for the Fantasy Football 2017 season. Uh, we each picked a winner of uh, 10 different categories, and then we left the final winners up to you, our beloved Rudders. Right. So uh, Tom has the results of all of our polls right now, and he's going to list off the winners. Thank you to everybody who voted. Uh, it was really interesting seeing how the results were were going back and forth in certain categories. I'm pissed at everyone categories. for not thinking Tariq <laughs> Cohen is going to be the steal of the draft next year. Well. You know, we got a whole offseason. Everybody's drinking that 49er yeah. juice. We Jimmy gotta, G. We actually oh, should I'll probably get to that. Yeah, Tom, let's go. All right. We got the loser of the year starting off fresh. 2018 is ahead of him, and that is Jordy Nelson. He won by 10%. I was shocked by that victory more than any other one that one of mine didn't win. Uh, that was my only victory. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, it's pathetic. <laughs> Fitting then of the fans of the year of the fans. <laughs> uh, waiver wire hero. We did do you guys a favor by putting in Alvin Kamara there, but uh, he blew everyone out of the water. Seventy-eight percent of the vote. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was Chalky McChalkerson, but it still you know deserves merit because Kamara was amazing. Yeah, he's a league winner. Yeah. Draft value of the year: Russell Wilson and Marvin Jones Jr. get twenty. 20- percent while adam thielen rakes in a cool 60 percent brutal that was one of mine zombie of the year back from the dead Dion lewis that was a great he did pick. the dang thing 50 percent of the vote jarek mckinnon 28 percent thought i had a shot there and jarvis landry once again don not sexy enough there 22 yeah, percent yeah. I, I i was like i basically gave my pitch why not to vote for me <laughs> like right after i pitched why jarvis landry was zombie of the year so i knew what was coming from that Best desperation stream, Blake Bortles, 32%. Antonio Gates, a measly 11%. I feel like That's sad. voters did not – they didn't listen to my story there. They tuned no. out or something not, because – Not enough people actually went through with it, yeah. Tom. Not everybody had the plums to actually start them. You had to put them in blind, and that's yeah. where that's why I went for it. But Jimmy Garoppolo, Yoffs, fifty-seven percent. I mean, uh, everyone loves him. That was easily the most attractive choice of the three, just based on the fact that he did it over three weeks, and you know everybody was kind of just in the Jimmy G hysteria, and maybe some of us still are. Bortles did it better over the same amount of time. But he anyway. did, but whatever. <laughs> Tom, keep going. Uh, next year's Aladdin, aka Diamond in the Rough, Tariq Cohen. Spoiler alert: He did lose, as Scott mentioned, but he tied Jared Goff, the Goff father, <laughs> and they both lost to Marquise Goodwin. Forty Nine er Fever in full swing. Oh yeah, I stacked Jimmy G <laughs> yeah. and Marquise Goodwin in my award winners lineup. The Tutty Buddy combo yes. pays off once more. Yep. Rookie of the Total Year, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, seventy-five percent. Yep. There were some angry voters that Kareem Hunt should have been included there, but uh, we did give him. I would have put Kareem Hunt in if I didn't nominate Kareem Hunt as my fantasy MVP. Uh, So I will let the listeners know that that was what led to my. uh, I think I even explained this on the awards. Not that I need to explain myself to anyone, but um, but I I I agree. You know, it was it was a bit of a snub. We could have put him in as a obligatory fourth choice in that particular poll but uh we decided not to so there you go i love kareem hunt and i don't want anyone to think that i don't but you know i i love deshaun watson too yeah i yeah, can't wait not to your draft fault, kareem hunt next year yeah um you mind if i put out a piece of news in the middle of the kareem huntness yeah let's hear it the chiefs have made eric 
the enemy. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he is now their offensive coordinator. He was. (laughs) (laughs) He is going to be a frenemy to many in the fantasy football community. He uh, he was previously the running back coach. If you remember the video we tweeted out after the Cream Hunt explosion week one, he's the guy who said that was a great run. Now catch your breath because we're about to feed your ass. (laughs) So that is a sign of things to come. Let me the be 2018. the guy who Kareem Hunt falls to in the first round next year. I cannot wait. I, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm, I'm really excited for yeah. him next year. Best Rutz nickname goes to the Moscow Mule. I mean, not? that was a uh, – yeah. yeah, I think he could three-peat if we, we let him. <laughs> Man Catch Monday. Man Catch Monday 2K17 goes to Antonio Brown. Cell phone catch. Name to be included in that category against Man Catch Monday. The hipster, vote, the hipster vote did not come out no. for Maurice Harris. 13. No. I think, yeah, I think it really, like, seriously for the year, it probably was between Harris and A.B. for the catch of the yeah. year. I mean, oh, yeah. that helmet catch was unbelievable. Yeah, you so know, it's the just Harris a, catch. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not Antonio Brown's fault he makes awesome catches and has and is cool, yeah. so everyone wants to vote for him. Uh, speaking of which, before we get too far, uh, we are doing a divisional round preview. Speaking of Antonio Brown, looking like he's going to play, uh, but we're going to get to more of that after we get to the main course of today's episode. But let's finish up the appetizer, Tom. Let's finish up those results. Fantasy MVP, no surprise, yeah. Todd Gurley. Yeah. Jags D did beat Kareem Hunt for what that's worth. <laughs> so then why and were then people we... begging for him to be in rookie of the year? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Maybe because they knew he was going to lose that one yeah. and they needed him to – to earn something, a prestigious award given from the Ruts boys. And I threw in a bonus, the best celeb league interview. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we got a tie. Wow. Tie between Bucky Isotope and Connor Tripler. All right. Thank you for your interviews. Brent, good riddance. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you as much. Yeah, thank you as well. Equally. Thank you to everybody who played in the uh, in the Internet Celebrity League. That was uh, we got much more fun out of that than I would have expected. And I it was a great it to be pretty ego fun. boost for me to beat everybody, too. So, yeah, it was so great. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. Looking Congratulations forward to another next year. All righty. So the title of this episode officially unofficially, I'm not really sure what we're going to put on the episode name uh, on iTunes, but uh, I call it the accountability episode. And that's where the three of us are going to hold each other accountable for the outlandish things that we said before the fantasy season starts. So what we're going to do is, if you remember (laughs) all the way back to episodes 1.01 through 1.04, all of us made plum picks for the season-long prospects of a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. We also did an entire episode of just strictly bold predictions, like things that we more or less wanted to happen more than we actually thought were going to happen. So we're going to check in on those plum picks and we're going to check in on those, um, on those bold predictions so that that way we can kind of see what trends came up this year. It's kind of another way to look back at a very interesting, a very muddled and a very sloppy 2017 fantasy football season. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll obviously start with quarterbacks. And I think the big one that we need to talk about with our plum picks, I can feel it. Down in my plums. Almost forgot to do the drop there. Um, How could you forget about that know. one? That's our yeah. favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> it's easily the fan. We we should have done a favorite drop poll. Yeah. My well, goodness. That well, was we'll, have it. well, we got yeah. another award for next year. Yeah. Um, so we got to talk about Deshaun Watson because that was Scott's plum pick quarterback. Uh, he talks. Scott talked him up in the rookie episode. Scott talked him up in the quarterback episode. And every day and since any, he beat Alabama, basically. Yeah, pretty much every day <laughs> since I even would remember going back to like when he almost beat Alabama. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, it was like, okay, Deshaun Watson is pretty good. The thing that I, you know, I knew that he was going to be a good runner, and I knew that he was going to be very poised. I didn't think he was going to have as much deep accuracy as early in his career as he had. You know, he hit a lot of guys who were wide open, but he made a ton of yeah. good throws, deep throws, intermediate throws. You know, hitting Will Fuller on deep ones, hitting. Hopkins for those twelve yard little you know physical routes that that Hopkins loves to run those you just run push a guy and turn around type of route and uh, you know he just showed that he can do everything and it sucks that he didn't get to play the whole season it really does and and you know he would have been a top five quarterback if he didn't get hurt he's going to be so, so interesting come next year his There's, ADP it's gonna is going to be so many trendy quarterback picks next Sherlock year. Holmes won't know what to do with. With Deshaun Watson's ADP, next sadly, year. it's for, gonna be crazy for uh, for us who, who you know try to value the QB position. Besides, you know, if we get tempted by Rodgers, uh, we'll probably all miss out. On yeah, 
Well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm not going to own him. What? I'm not even a chance on yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Well, uh, speaking of a guy who's who went unowned for probably most of the year, if not for his injury, then for his irrelevance. Tom, your plum pick quarterback for this season was Brian Hoyer. Now, I will preface this by saying you had all of the pieces put together. You just had the wrong guy putting them together in yes. San Francisco. <laughs> and had you known that Jimmy G was going to get traded, I think you would have picked Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Brian Hoyer. Yeah, Don, thanks for out with the Jimmy Garoppolo thing and with the injury. But, you know, I was just expecting him to put up something similar to the time that he was starting in Chicago. He acted as a viable fantasy option. Um, two weeks of his career this year, he was a viable fantasy option. Week three, he went for 30. Week five, he put up 26. And every other week, he failed to even hit the 10-point mark. Ouch. So it was a bit of a flop. Um, I do just want to say, uh, to my own defense, that I said he'd be a usable quarterback in two-week leagues and maybe enter the streaming radar. And uh, for that, I think if you played him in week three or five in DraftKings, of course, you need to be pretty bold. But he would have definitely out, outscored his price. And uh, granted, he was free, you know, so that's my excuse. And uh, I'll die by living with the 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 cheap quarterbacks rather than the expensive ones, because a lot of those guys flamed out just the same. It's funny you talk about flame out guys, Tom, because my plum pick quarterback was Carson Palmer. And I yeah. feel like he flamed out maybe even harder than Brian Hoyer did, because Carson Palmer, I mean, he the, there were games where he just went nuclear. Yeah. And he was bad. strictly a plus matchup streamable option like you could not start him over anyone else with a better matchup like he was if he played against a bad defense he was horrible even he was and, even questionable in those goes good matchups too. right even some matchups he just fall flat on his face and really screw you yeah <laughs> and of course it all comes to a head he breaks his you know what's arm. funny i was gonna say you know how the cardinals do that quarterback competition and the loser has to dress up really stupid yeah it was always carson palmer dressing up <laughs> he always lost which should have been a sign for us but i mean it, it was unfortunate how it ended with carson palmer you'd never want to see a guy go out because of injury uh but he ended up retiring at the end of this year he was usable in certain weeks yeah however picking those usable weeks was very difficult and he probably put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths and a lot of people had probably given up and released him before he even played well um, in 2017, yeah. unfortunately, but best of luck in retirement to Carson Palmer. He had a very, yeah. he also very didn't have David career. Johnson either, which right. could have accounted for so much of him just dumbing it down and let David go to work. Right. All right, let's move to our running backs now. By far, our best position for plum picking. Um, I started with Jamal Charles, who eventually <laughs> asked for his release from the Denver Broncos, but because of how underused he was, I really thought he was going to carve out a passing down role. But once the offensive coordinator shuffling started happening in Denver, uh, it just didn't seem like Jamal Charles was part of the plan. They wanted to see what they could get out of D'Angelo Henderson, what they could get out of CJ. They Anderson. went off the rails, and, man. Yeah, that whole that, that's, season went off the rails. That's what and happens. So, you don't play. You don't play older guys right. when your team is in a complete state of flux. Yeah. and I don't mean to I don't mean to to leak too much of what I'm planning on doing with our rankings next year but he did sign a one-year deal with Denver so he is free to go to a different team next year <laughs> running so we'll back see how it goes. we'll see how it goes he's had a full year of rest I'm, I may be that guy who got embarrassed because his team got blank playing pickup basketball I might say you know what run that back I need another shot right. <laughs> I need another shot of Jamal Charles uh Tom another uh aging running back was your plum pick running back yeah, Adrian Peterson. You know, I just thought there was enough room in the Saints' uh, running attack for two running backs. I was there completely was. right. Um, it just so <laughs> happened to not be Adrian Peterson. You look at the numbers that Tim Hightower put up last year um, in a limited snap count. He was amazing. Um, Alvin Kamara does more with as little touches as anyone has ever done in NFL history. Hashtag so sense. that is the surprise, right? So I was going. I was going with the. Uh, the more the more safe option or so I thought and uh, Adrian Peterson another guy who you know asked to be traded and he had some good games I mean he became usable at a point uh, he crushed the 49ers I believe yes he but did. apart from that it was uh, it was sledding for our boy yeah I think that game where he played against the 49ers that might have been the one where he was like flirting with 200 yards or something like that yeah he had, he like had 170 he had that one absolutely insane game. Um, I don't know if my guy touched the field all season I think he did he did I think so CJ Procise was the name ever so slightly whenever the field touches him back though he gets hurt yes yeah so problem. you know CJ Procise is the name and injury is the game 
injury has, <laughs> has plagued him, you know. But the reason that I chose him was opportunity. And if he was alive, he would have had mountains of yeah. opportunity in the Seahawks' backfield. They went through Rawls, Lacey, Mike Davis, McKissick, and all of that could have been bottled yeah. into ProSize, who they actually gave that role to a couple weeks um, yeah. last season, you know? And, of course, their offensive line was completely nuclear. So even if he got in the game, he probably still would have got stuffed like everybody else. But that's why I chose him, and that opportunity is still there. And I'll still be looking, you know, come draft time next year, who's going to be that running back in Seattle? I'll be paying attention Chris to Chris Carson, right? You got to yeah, think he's coming right. back from that's that ankle right. injury. Yeah. There was a threat that he might come back at the end of this regular season. I think if they can keep Chris Carson on the field, I think he's, again, we talked about yeah, going back nice. to the well with Jamal Charles. I might go back to the well with Seattle and take Chris Carson yeah. next year. Uh, let's go to wide receiver because uh, this one is super interesting. A couple of us, uh, like we hit in certain spots, but we also need some context in certain spots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Tom because Tom is so let down by his plum pick wide receiver. I think he's more let down by his plum pick receiver than any of us are in our failed plum picks or bold predictions. It was Zay Jones. Yeah. Zay Jones really went out there and uh, did me a disservice. He had a lot of drops. He didn't really come on very strongly. He had a couple touchdowns. One was even a deflection. So it's really hard to say that he was ever even meant to score that one. But what really, really hurts me is that even on the episode, I say that I was about to switch on the fly to Adam Thielen, oh. and what do I what do I do but stick with Jay Jones? Now Adam Thielen, even when I didn't get the opportunity to talk about it, so I'll I'll uh, I'll doubt the flames here by saying I was just calling for him to be much closer to Stephon Diggs in final ranking than average draft position. I was not expecting him to top five yardage, a wide receiver one, all this amazing stuff. So I'm not uh, tooting my own horn in that regard. Zay Jones, I mean, he had the world lined up for him. He has his college wide receiver coach there with him in Buffalo. You know, they had some issues in the in the offense, in the quarterback room especially. So we'll see what can happen in a career for Jay, Zay Jones. There, there's definitely upside, but uh, it's totally limited at this point. And he certainly helped our overall credibility by just name-dropping Adam Thielen in that episode, Tom. That was yeah, excellent <laughs> foresight on your part. Um, I'm going to go to mine now because we're kind of doing this in um, ascending order of success okay. in terms of our plum pick receivers. I had Rashard Matthews, and in the plum pick episode, in the wide receiver rankings episode, I said Rashard Matthews is still a very big threat to lead all Titans receivers in scoring for fantasy purposes, and he did. Yep. But it was he was still bad. <laughs> he was still like a wide receiver three flex option. Yeah, he wasn't a must start. No. He was a guy you played in plus matchups who might have who might have really scorched you, but he also might have really picked you up in certain spots. He had a couple of really long seventy yard touchdowns. One of them was on a, a beautiful screen pass. So he had some moments. He just and he did he did do what I thought he was going to do. But I mean, obviously, we all know how big of a step back this Titans offense took. He didn't even get enough targets. Yeah. We were saying it all year. I love Rashard Matthews. I would go. I'm, I'm excited for him next year again, too. But hopefully he can get some more targets. He needs more work. Yes. But the most successful plum pick wide receiver has to be Mr. Robbie Anderson. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, Robbie, I mean, I thought it was going to be Bryce Petty, too. You know, I say in the, I say in the, first, in the episode, uh, you know, Bryce Petty is probably going to be the starter because the Jets won't win any games. But it turns out McCown, McCown's wise enough to say, hey, that Anderson guy's pretty good over there on the outside. Let me uh, let me give him a shot. And and there you go. Here he comes. And just like I thought, he was, he was a WR2 with upside to be a WR1 every single week, wire to wire for the whole season. A guy you could have literally drafted in the very last rounds of your draft. Robbie Anderson comes through with a huge season. I think he's only going to get better. I'm excited for him next year. I'm honestly weirdly excited for the whole Jets offense next year, yeah. pending on the quarterback position. We have to check in a little bit later on the Jets offense as well. Yes. But um, what I wanted to say about Robbie is, what was it, like, four, five, or like six weeks in a row, he had a touchdown. Yep. And a lot of them were like over 30 yards. So he was a big play guy. And you got to love the big play wide receiver in and fantasy football. And he was football. getting touchdowns, 100-yard games, uh, big plays. You know, he, catch games. He was, yeah, he was doing it all that you yeah. want to see in a real number one receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Jermaine Kirst, uh coming over to the, to the uh, Jets really helped his Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. Let's move to tight ends now. Um, just ahead of running backs in terms of our biggest miss. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I mean, tight end is so much tougher. I think I think I think running backs 
really tough too because I mean that's the that's the position that's most injured. That's the position where guys get most phased out. And I meant to say this when we were talking about running back, so figures I forgot. Right. But um, <laughs> but let's go with tight ends, uh, Tom. Since it birthed your nickname of the year, your personal nickname of the year, let's go with yours. Yeah, I always thought Austin Hooper was going to supersede Levine Toilolit, and uh, he really did. So he actually had an amazing week one, if you recall, and uh, that, that made me feel very good. From then on, he was pretty much matchup dependent, but he was owned throughout the rest of the the season, which was pretty cool considering he was undrafted. Right. So I don't feel as bad about this one as I do the others. He was useful to do it, and he was absolutely free. And if you live in the garbage tight endville like I do, he actually probably did you a service, and I salute him for that. Yeah, he was uh, – I mean, he had some weeks. He had some moments. And if you if you listened to Tom's plum pick and rolled him out week one, you were loving life. Yeah. You, you know, what was it, an 86-yard touchdown he, he had yeah. against the Bears? Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. It really looked like he was going to turn the corner. Unfortunately, we talked about the Titans' defense or offense taking a step back. The Falcons' offense took a big step back from where they were last year. Obviously, yeah. they were – one of the most historically prolific offenses. Uh, Scott, I really liked your plum pick because he also, like Hooper, had his moments, and his moments came in that middle of the year with yeah. bye weeks and stuff. Julius Thomas was pretty serviceable with Jay Cutler this year. Yeah, he was all right. You know, he he had a couple good weeks, but overall, the whole middle, the whole beginning of the season was crap. He had like four or five good weeks in the middle there, and then he and then he crapped back out at the end, but. You know, I want to say tight end is rough. You know, yeah. we we did a top brutal. twenty rankings, and then we did no, we did fifteen, I think. Okay, I think even was, still, yeah, but still, we did uh, plum picks on top of that, and you know, I was just thinking that with Adam Gase being the coach, he knew how to utilize Julius <laughs> Thomas, but it turns out that it was just Peyton making him awesome. Yep. You know, Cutler even officially Cutler even threw to tight ends in his past before. And it just never materialized the whole year. So he couldn't, you know, he's got nothing to hide behind this year yeah. for Thomas. He got no injuries besides maybe the last two weeks. He had, you know, and he finally got exposed for just being a Peyton touchdown scorer. Yeah, he's come a long way from being that guy that screamed, it's too easy after he scored his second touchdown against the Jets in the first quarter in Peyton Manning's record setting. Yeah, yeah it's not very easy yeah. for him anymore. No, not anymore. It looks just the opposite, as a matter of fact. Mine was David Njoku, and this, I guess, would be categorized as a miss. But I'm not counting it as my miss. I'm counting it as a miss of the Browns coaching staff because sure. this dude was awesome in the red zone. He was making awesome plays, athletic catches, like toe tapping in the end zone. He was running people over and he still played like lower than 50% of the snaps in like at least half of their games. Terrible. So they just didn't want to utilize easily their best pass catcher over the middle of the field. That's fine, but I'm not taking the blame for that one. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, the Browns. It's it, yeah, the Browns just had were weird all season. You know, there was right. their best offensive player was Duke Johnson, who got you know more than ten touches in only six out of like sixteen games that he played, or something yeah. crazy like that. So you know, they they underused their best players the whole year, and they didn't win a single game. So makes Absolutely. sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just tough. It was tough, but uh, so those were our plum picks. Now we're getting into what our bold predictions were. And I'm going to go to Tom here because one of the bold predictions that you made actually was a little fire in the furnace for my Njoku plum pick for season long. And that was that a rookie tight end will break the streak of forgettable first tight end years. Yeah. And I, I predicted that they would finish. They would have two finish as a tight end one. And unluckily I only got one and that was Evan Ingram. So, but that was a, a, top five. a pleasant surprise. Yeah, which is an X2 multiplier as far as I'm concerned. So <laughs> I nailed it, of course. Um, no, but I mean, you see this, the rookies are just getting involved more and more. And it was time for that trend, which was longstanding, that rookie tight ends did not finish as a tight end one, to be broken. Every year we're seeing more and more rookies break into the fantasy uh, top prospect land and he did just that i thought oj howard can compete i thought david and joku could compete and i meaningfully did not specify which ones it would be so i would have a bigger percentage chance yep. and uh i only got one but i'll take it because it was a bold prediction yeah and the other two didn't get the target share that would have right. been required you know if if break got hurt or something like that howard could have been up there for right. sure certainly 
Yeah, uh, Tom, you actually had another bold prediction. We're just going to go through yours straight through. Uh, you actually had another one that revolved around a tight end, and it's another one of our picks here that probably would have ended up right if the guy didn't end up getting hurt. Yeah, I said Charles Clay would finish as a top 10 tight end, and then I even just doubled down mid brief here and said you know what I think he could be like top seven it felt a little crazy at the time I even drafted him as the only tight end in one of my leagues but I mean right off the bat the guy was totally usable he was getting an insane target share on an offense where there's just not a lot of targets to go around I mean he was the number one uh, receiving threat in that offense so I was totally happy to see him all over fantasy waiver wire uh, columns and tweets, and I was calling out to draft him. So that was pretty cool. I think if he didn't get injured, he would have almost certainly secured a top 10 spot in the tight end final rankings column. I feel like he was flirting with top five before he went down, too. Oh, yeah. It was. Which was crazy. He, yeah, he, he was. was. Yeah. He and was. he would have, I think he would have been able, you know, he, he started off on a nice heater, but you're right. I think that. He would have had such a high floor that he he there's no way he could have been outside yeah. of the top ten. You would have seen him going. in a starting lineup in every single one of your leagues, regardless of scoring format. Mm-hmm. Tom, your next two bold predictions both have something to do with the AFC South. So I'm gonna do choose your own NFC adventure. South. NFC South, thank you, Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna let you choose which one you want to talk about first. Yeah, I'm going to finish on the high note here. So let's go with the Jonathan Stewart one. I said that Jonathan Stewart will score 25% of his fantasy points in week one as he's quickly usurped by Christian McCaffrey. But let's not forget that this was almost a dual prediction, right? That Jonathan Stewart would go off week one. And he did put you into a a certainly – happy place when he scored a touchdown and went for a bunch of yards against the San Francisco 49ers. He almost got a second touchdown. He got a bunch of goal line looks. And uh, you're still happy with the final result from that week. The final result on this bold prediction was not necessarily true. He really had trouble shaking him. But um, Christian McCaffrey definitely outscored him, definitely became the one to own, certainly in PPR bats. Um, It took a little while, but I also, in my non-bold predictions episode, did say that it would take a little while for Christian McCaffrey to get involved and that I wasn't sure I wanted to pay the price of admission. I remember like when we would do like the weekly recap episodes – We'd be like, all right, another week. Chris McCaffrey didn't score somehow. <laughs> yeah. Got him down to the two every week, but somehow can't get it in the it end It was zone. nice to see. You know, I was waiting for it all year for him to shake that linebacker in that in the wild card game, catch that pass over the middle, and just burn it to yeah, the end zone. Was, I expected yeah. so much more of that this year for him. And that might be a confidence booster for him going forward in the so. next year because he really started to put it together. He was running oh, better. Yeah. He was catching the ball well, which is obviously something that the Panthers want him to do. So that was a really good one. Speaking of really good ones, Tom, uh, your last bold prediction was spot on. This was uh, this is my my uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is my holy grail. This is my coup d'état. I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation. Um, I said that Marshawn Lattimore will change the way people look at the Saints D. In the past, when you saw the Saints D, you loaded them all out. Scrubs, studs, didn't matter because they were going to score versus Saints D. The Saints D was atrocious versus the run and somehow even worse versus the pass. And Marshawn Lattimore came in and definitely locked people down. Now, now I did not say that the Saints would become the defense that they are today, which everyone is impressed by. But I did say that he would be a stalwart to those wide receiver ones and kind of shut them down. And that certainly happened. He was fearless and he was successful. And he did change the way that we look at the Saints defense today and going forward. Among others, for sure. Yeah, couldn't know? agree more. Cam, but you know, Cam Jordan had yeah. an All-Pro season, oh, yeah. and Crawley was Crawley awesome. It was great. Side. Manti Te'o had a had a great season to really just kind of turn around that that whole defense. But you know, it starts. It always starts these great defenses. It seems like across the NFL. You got to have a good cornerback. You yep. got to have a lockdown cornerback, yep. and that's what Lattimore was for them look, all season. Look at Minnesota with the ascension of Xavier Rhodes and Jacksonville with the ascension of Jalen Ramsey. And I mean, And then, you know, that kind of talent attracts other players because they know that they got Lattimore on one side who's not going to let anything get, get to him. That's right. So it was that was a great bold prediction, Tom. Um, let's go to Scott because, uh, Scott, you also had a Saints-based bold prediction not quite as successful as Tom's. no not really close but uh there was a point where this was this was true though i there was a point i was i was very excited because yeah. i thought that there was a chance it could come true brandon coleman as a wr2 flex it carried weight for a little while in the middle of the season but his problem w- was 
New Orleans too good. Yeah. Well, they were just too good. And then and then Alvin Kamara happens, and all of a sudden, you know, Breeze didn't need to throw the ball anymore. Nope. And they just were able to throw little dump downs to Kamara and plow ahead with Ingram and, and run the ball with Kamara and throw the ball to Michael Thomas that it was just like so – their offense came like easy to the Saints for a while yeah. there throughout the whole season, and unfortunately, that came at the expense of Brandon Coleman. Yeah, uh, it was interesting though because he did have those weeks like right in the middle of the Snead suspension, right. where it was like, okay, like Brandon Coleman, he's scoring, he's getting the red zone looks, and he's, he's so big. I just huge. thought he was going to score so many touchdowns. Yeah, but, but the uh, it seemed like the quality of play with him just never reached the level that Sean Payton wanted. He would end up being outplayed by Ted Ginn and yeah. Michael Thomas, who's on another level yeah. with pretty much any other receiver in the NFL. But uh, but still, a very interesting prediction that gave us some, some real excitement early on in the yeah, season. Yeah, if nothing else. Scott, what are we going to go to next? <laughs> um, let's go with Tyler Eifert leading all touchdown, all tight ends and touchdowns. Okay. Um, the, well, you know, it's, it's injury. Not your this fault. This whole prediction was marred by injury, as is the case with yep. uh, Tyler Eifert. And more often than not, but... You know, but the potential was there, which is yeah. also always the case with yeah. Mr. Eifert, isn't and it? And how That's many touchdowns did Tyler Croft catch? Tyler year, Croft like caught seven touchdowns. Okay, so. so the opportunity was even there, you yeah. know? So it's just another another one of those years for Tyler Eifert. This is the yeah. year that puts the nail in the coffin. I will never, ever draft him again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's it. Injuries, <laughs> injuries ruined his uh, his season and his uh, my opinion of him. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm it's not rough sure sometimes. which one's things worse for uh, for. <laughs> Big Tyler, um, get well soon, Tyler. Yeah, we, we like watching you play football. Yeah, for sure. What's next? Um, going with um, Lamar Miller will not be number one running back in Houston by week seven. You said week seven? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, wh- wow. When was Deontay Foreman starting to get hot? Dude, it was going to happen. Yeah. It really was in line to happen. Deontay Foreman started a rumble. He has that long touchdown and then blows his Achilles, oh, I think was it was, brutal. in the end zone on his second touchdown of that game. It was set to happen. Yeah. He, he, you know, it was 100% set to happen. And then, you know, even at the end of the year, Alfred Blue, Alfred Blue yep. is, is is getting more snaps, year in a row more carries now. than Lamar Miller. That could have been because they were out of the playoffs. They were just maybe maybe Lamar Miller's got like a start a started games bonus or something, so they're giving him a start and then just kind of phasing him out. But you know, I don't know. I just I, I really thought this one was going to happen, and I'd be really surprised if Lamar Miller comes into next season as a starter. Second one, I'm going with not your fault that this didn't come <laughs> true. I mean. The Foreman injury killed it because he was really starting to put it together. Yeah. Him and Watson were great together. I will say, though, Lamar Miller, when Deshaun Watson was in there, was an RB1 level. Yeah, because he was just playing with Deshaun Watson. Exactly. And I'm not, but <laughs> opportunity is half the battle in oh, fantasy for sure. in a lot of cases. No just ask any wide receiver, too, who's played with Drew Brees over the last six years. No question. But, you know, it was, it's, just a t- it's just another weird year for Lamar Miller in Houston. Because now we're not going to be sure where to draft him because he played like an RB1 with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, you got to think, is going to be coming back healthy and strong as ever. So is Lamar Miller going to be a third, fourth round pick again next year? Even though he really hasn't in the last two years? Tom, I agree with Tom. I think he's probably going to be. But, you know, it's it's just just, a position scarcity and the opportunity that he can hold on if he does. And if you're. If you're able to, you can handcuff him, and I think you could get away with it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If you went wide receiver, wide receiver, like it's not the worst idea in the world. Yeah, yeah, I like it. All right, Scotty, last one. Okay, this hurts. My last one, Bilal Powell, top ten. I'm not saying it should have happened. I'm saying it should have had much more of a shot. Just look at when he played and Forte didn't this season. He basically delivered every time, and two times he went off to the uh, to. 20 plus points. I thought the Jets would stink and it wouldn't like make sense to keep playing Forte, even though Forte was playing through knee injuries the whole year. The Jets kept like inexplicably starting him and letting him plod forward and do basically nothing for the entire season while Bilal sits on the shelf ready to rumble. It never happens, you know, it never materializes, and Bilal finishes as RB30. But I have a good stat for you, Don. Mainline it. There were five weeks. <laughs> there were five <laughs> weeks in which Matt Forte did not play. In those five weeks, full point PPR, Bilal Powell totaled 66 points. If you extrapolate that for 16 weeks, he scores 211.2 points and ends up RB12 right outside the top 10. Hashtag stats. <laughs>
That's an RB one in my book. Yeah, for sure. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. So fifteen so, points a week, he was averaging something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It, and it was like he had like a eight, a six, and like a six, and then like a twenty nine and a twenty. Yeah. So it was up and down. Twenty nine was. Probably I mean, that's what, the Jags? that's kind of what you get. Yeah, that yeah. that was the Jags game. Stupidest. The, the, the twenty was life. the Chargers game where he had like twenty carries yeah. for like one fifty and a well, touchdown, but. Uh, I just think he never got his full chance. Hopefully they kick Forte's ass out of there and let I, the law rumble this year. I feel like Forte's going to retire, man. He what does he have left Jets. to do? Yeah, I think his contract's up. I mean, also, like, the Jets inexplicably, like, tried to make Elijah McGuire a thing. Yeah. And that was frustrating because, like, his touches came at the expense of Bilal Powell's mm-hmm. instead of Matt Forte's when they were running a three-back system. So, overall, I mean, it was a it was a feel-it-out feel kind of year for the Jets because they just they just need to know what they have going forward. I think they know they can depend on Bilal and possibly use him in a two-back system with Elijah. Unfortunately, it looks like next year is another year where Bilal won't get the shot he deserves. Uh, we'll but, see. But again, like you said before, interesting to see what the Jets are going to look like next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm for excited fantasy for purposes. Don, you definitely said. felt out a three-man backfield in one of your bold predictions. Damn it, I was going to save this for last because <laughs> I was so proud of this. I think... And I'm, I will admit my bias here. I think this is easily the best call that any of us made all year. I said <laughs> in September or possibly even late August that Alvin Kamara would lead all Saints running backs in fantasy scoring. And he did. Against all odds. Granted, <laughs> it, Mark Ingram finished like five points behind him and they right? both Doesn't scored matter. over 200. Yeah. But still, I, I didn't say what the margin would be. I said that Alvin Kamara would outscore him. I thought it was going to be bigger. I thought Alvin Kamara was going to be, you know, the lead dog in that backfield. But, I mean, the two-back system that he and Ingram developed into is unbelievable. unbelievable. Really excited to see what they go into Minnesota and do uh, this Sunday. Or this they play Saturday. So um, I'm really excited for it. I'm happy for Alvin Kamara. Sports Illustrated just posted a great feature on him about how, you know, being drafted and living in New Orleans has really like opened up his life into what he's always wanted and how he's just really flourishing there and enjoying himself more than he ever has in his life, which is just amazing to hear from a young guy like that. Did you see his quote about what he did with his bonus check? I uh, no, he's, he's not chicken like wings. A, yeah, oh, he's right. not like yeah. a spendy. Like a, I guess he's he's not one of those guys who's like you know buying like all this trendy stuff. He's like, I put that shit in the bank and got some chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's so Alvin Kamara. It's amazing it's answer. Um, the other thing too that I got from that article, he has a drawer in his house full of Airheads. Uh, so if any Airheads representative is listening here, I think that that drawer full of Airheads is awesome. And that would be a great feature in anyone else's home. Uh, Airheads. Well, I also <laughs> thought he should have been like, you know, I'm going to get some Wingstop chicken wings. Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. you got to capitalize on yeah. it. What would he do with that signing bonus <laughs> if he got a Wingstop deal? Um, Wingstop, if you've got any representatives listening. <laughs> RutzFF at gmail.com. Airheads and wings. That um, sounds good. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I guess I'm going to go in descending order of how right I was about all of these. Sure. Because my two, two of mine cratered. Well, um, to to max out or to even out the Camara call, I did say that Christian McCaffrey would not shake Jonathan Stewart all year, and it it that came true to a frustrating degree because Jonathan Stewart's really on his last legs here. Yeah, um, you know he he was dealing with back issues all year, fought through it, got the Panthers into the postseason. He had a three touchdown game against Minnesota out of nowhere, but you know. To a certain extent, Chris McCaffrey did surpass him in every yeah, conceivable no, way. One, way outscored him in fantasy points perspective and was just overall the better player. However, I think they're going to get rid of Jonathan Stewart and I think they're going to bring in another guy to be Jonathan Stewart this year. Cameron I don't Artist think it's going to be a guy. I don't think it's going to be Christian's backfield. Um, I don't think Christian's no. going to be allowed to and, mingle and one of the th- <laughs> all by himself. And one of the, and one of the nice. things um, that I said in that episode um, – in response to you was that could be okay and that could yeah. end up being fine and Christian McCaffrey can still go on and have a great season. It was an RB two did so you know there's going to be names thrown around like you said you know Jonathan Stewart is probably not going to be there next year. There are uh, a whole myriad of running backs out there in the draft this year. Everybody's going crazy about them. You know they'll they'll be talked about in free agency. Cameron Artis Payne will be brought up, but I think McCaffrey ultimately set his his role in stone yeah. uh, this season. I complained about his ADP all summer, and I better get used to it because his ADP is going to be exactly where it was this year with the proof that he can back it up. Yeah, no doubt. So um, my next one, uh, 
aided by injury, irrelevance, and God only knows what else. I said Martellus Bennett was going to lead the Packers in receiving yards. I love this Or receiving one. touchdowns. Um, <laughs> he had more torn rotator cuffs than touchdowns as a Packer. Hashtag stats. We uh, had to rack our brains to see if he caught a pass on the he Packers. He did catch a pass. He did not catch a touchdown, but he caught a pass. He had he had a ton of touchdowns. He had a ton of red zone looks in the uh, – preseason and then he had a ton of drops and a ton of drops yeah too. i feel like he dropped like six passes yeah. in one game he or was, something like oh that. oh my gosh it was it was so bad and it got so ugly with the fact that he was blaming the packers uh medical staff and then all the current and former it always gets ugly with came him. to the defense of the team doctor and it was just it was just a mess he ends up in new england he tries to gut it out. I thought for sure he was going to score a touchdown in that first game yeah. he played with the Patriots because uh, that would have just been the most Belichick thing ever. Yeah, But he didn't, and he ended up getting shut down by the Patriots to get surgery on his torn rotator cuff. So a brutal year for Martellus Bennett. No doubt. And, you know, just did not help that I made a brutal, bold prediction <laughs> that he would lead the Packers. Me and you with the tight ends, man. Eifert I, and Martellus. Man. I thought that was it, man. I thought Terrible. that was like my shot. Hey, that's, that's, like, that's why they're bold. That's yeah, why they're that, bold. That's right. And a lot of people like would like, uh, we were talking about this as that episode came out in, in late August, early September ish. Uh, a lot of people came up and was like, how could you possibly think that like I had one friend who was like, I listened to the bold prediction episodes and I can confidently say that Scott and Tom made some pretty good picks and every single one of your picks will be wrong. And I was like, okay. I was like, it's a bold prediction episode. So I don't really know what you want. That's how it goes. You know? man. But I mean, yeah, that's why we did it. We did it to have fun. We did it to come back here and talk about how dumb we sounded. Now, uh, why don't you tell everybody about how you disgraced Antonio? Brown? I had easily the best <laughs> bold prediction and I had easily the worst. I said Antonio Brown would finish outside the top five at wide receiver. He didn't even play the last two games of and the he fantasy was still season. And again. he was still wide receiver one for the fourth year in a row. Unbelievable. <laughs> And I'm here to eat my crow. <laughs> Can I please have some more, sir? You have one. You have one thing to say, Don. One thing in response, Camara. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Camara. Yeah, well, Camara. But Camara. I mean, no. Like I will. I'm not going anywhere near talking any kind of crap about Antonio Brown Ever next year. Again. I'm just gonna be like, yep, you should take him and you should start him every week, and he's the best. And uh, I'm sorry. Business is still about, booming. Yeah, yeah business, business has been booming yeah. for a while. Um. Let's speaking of uh, oh wait no sorry I was about to go into the preview but I know we did have some things because right. if you remember when we did our plum picks during the regular season a lot of it focused on playing certain positions against certain teams yep. and Scott and Tom did an amazing job today researching what that actually meant sure. so this is the just start the blank who plays against the blank checkup of the year so we talked a lot about starting the tight end who played against the Browns. Right. So I'm not sure which one of you wants to uh, to brag about this one. Well, this I'll one has the to tight be Tom. End. Yeah, right, this yeah. has yeah. to be Tom. All right, so starting the tight end who played the Browns every week would have given you better than, wait for it, Zach Ertz, a guy oh. that people went Unreal. crazy for this year. He finished as tight end three, so just playing who played the Browns would have beaten him. And not by an insignificant amount there because the drop-off between Travis Kelsey and Gronk down to Zach Ertz was kind of substantial. And that's the story of the tight end position in fantasy. There are haves and there are have-nots. And the haves are usually just Gronk. So now we can kind of add Travis Kelsey, but the point is that these guys are going to be – well, I don't even care because the point is, yeah. <laughs> is these guys are so expensive that unless I get them on a what I consider a value, that I'm going down to the bottom and I'm going to stream tight ends. Now you can come to me and say, hey, look, they're not going to be available every single week, right? Well, there were teams that actually gave more fantasy points up to the tight end position rather than the Browns being the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants. But the reason that we focus on the Browns is this is a two-year-plus sample size of them just getting destroyed by the position. So when you can't find a tight end playing against the Browns who let up a score most times, and you want that consistency rather than a, um, you know, because even the Houston Texans let up a lot, but it was mostly to Jimmy Graham. So yeah. the Browns are going to give you this nice, baseline of reliability with statistics behind it and you can get a top 
three tight end out of it if you abuse it. Otherwise, you listen to us because we're doing three plum picks an episode. We're going to probably plum pick the guy who's facing the New York Giants of that year, you know, a long streak yep. of tight end touchdown or something like that because there's always another way out and there's always an available tight end. No yeah, doubt. I mean, and now everybody knows why we said start the tight end who plays against the Browns. You yeah. would have gotten a, the third-ranked player at his position compositely I mean that was just a it was just an amazing run that we went on like and we needed it cuz some of us thought that Antonio Brown wasn't going to be a top 5 receiver <laughs> in fantasy this year <laughs> not to bring it bring it up again but like come on Don you know yeah, um, well you know shake it off so Scott we had another we had another couple of uh couple of interesting targets this year that I'm sure our listeners got used to hearing yeah for sure um I'll just go through this one kind of quick uh if you started the quarterback who played against Tampa you ended up with you would have yielded QB nine for the season, and I thought like, I think it's really interesting to list the two quarterbacks that that would have been between. Right, sandwiched in between number eight Philip Rivers wow. and who would be number ten Drew Brees. Wow! So you're looking at guys who both went on pretty torrid streaks throughout the year, put up big numbers. Play again, play the guy who plays against the Bucks. You would have had QB nine. Wow! Uh, and another one of those was Brett Hundley too. So even if you didn't start Brett Hundley towards the end of his run as the Packers starter and picked up somebody different, you could have been even higher on that list. Well, too. yeah, and if you just counted it, you know, if you just sectioned it in weeks, like the first five weeks, the Bucks were just getting lit on fire by yeah. anybody who threw a pass against them. <laughs> um, another one uh, that uh, Tom especially did a lot, but, you know, I was in there too. We were both kind of uh, picking on the Dallas Cowboys and how many – WR1s they allowed. They allowed nine different WR1s this season. That's over half of the year. Over half the year they allowed a WR1. And they're they're wide-ranging names. You know, um, Emmanuel Sanders, Larry Fitzgerald. Next one, Cooper Cup. The Mule! Devontae Adams, Jamison Crowder, Alshon Jeffrey, Keenan Allen, Ryan Grant, my personal favorite, (laughs) and the Crab Man. You know, like, these are all different types of receivers. They all kind of do different things. But one thing in common, they all blasted the Cowboys. Yeah. And uh, two Washington Redskins. So uh, fire up Kirk Cousins every time that – Every time that divisional matchup comes, which is twice a year, he's going to give you a wide receiver one, it seems. So uh, he'll probably be above that 15-point total. And uh, do what, Don? Get it done. If he gets re-signed, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what, what he does. We got to do a whole episode. I mean, like, huge point because he's – free agents, by yeah. the way. And yeah, he's, he's probably not going to be there, let's be our, honest, our actually. Last, our last one was um, – you know, San Fran, we were all on them. Tom, before the season even started, was pumped on Jonathan Stewart's matchup for San Fran. Based an entire bold prediction around it. And they allowed seven running backs to have an RB1 week. And and again, another incredibly wide range. Jonathan Stewart, Todd Gurley, who was number one for that week at the position. Marlon Mack, Chris Thompson, Zeke, also number one. Adrian Peterson and week 16, TJ Yeldon. Crazy. Only two weeks in the whole year did they not allow a running back to reach in the top 30. So your floor was flex range. Yep. And your ceiling was number one running back at the position if it was a stud. Yeah, and the two games that they didn't, uh, the Niners played the Titans, I believe, yep. and the Texans. Yeah. So, like, not not strung out for talent no. with those two, with Lamar Miller and with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. Um, just a really wild uh, year for the 49ers really bad against Zeke but then we're, was able to and know, so bad against Gurley yeah early in the season Crazy. my god yeah all righty so that was our uh that was our account that was us holding ourselves accountable you might not hear other fantasy football podcasts doing it but uh we're more than happy to make jokes especially and in including ourselves yep <laughs> um but now let's talk about some division round football like I said right at the end of the episode last week typically one of the best weekends of football of the year. Uh, so we've got the two seeds are all playing on. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. The one seeds are both playing on Saturday, which I think is rude. But um, <laughs> so first at 435, thank God we get the most boring game out of the way. Atlanta versus Philly. Now, Atlanta played Philadelphia with Nick Foles as a backup quarterback a couple like a year or two ago. Yeah. And they ran the ball like 50 times. Atlanta had the ball for like 50 total plays. Oh, yeah, I remember and that. the actually. Eagles won one of the ugliest games imaginable. So you got to think that that could happen, but I do think that maybe the switch has been flipped in Atlanta and 
they were like, okay, we got in the playoffs. We need to, you know, redeem ourselves from what happened in the Super Bowl last year. And that that kind of gravitas can carry a team against a team that's playing their backup quarterback. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's the most important thing is that they they don't have Wentz, so so the engine's not going to run as smoothly as it did all season. Um, by the way, uh, I love Julio. If you're doing daily, oh, yeah. uh, he's had a touchdown in his last four playoff games. So I guess uh, I guess the the Falcons' offensive coordinator and head coach just really don't like fantasy football. So they just save all Julio's touchdowns for when it doesn't really matter for us. But hey, last we'll, four playoff games, excluding the Super Bowl last year. Um. Yeah, I guess he did. Yeah. No, I thought he scored, dude. Really? Oh, all right. Whatever. <laughs> Tweet us at yeah, well, I mean, I don't think he had a Super bad Super Bowl performance either. So no. Julio Jones is always a safe option when you're looking at a, a slate this small. Yeah, for sure. Um, do we like any DFS value in the Eagles, you guys? Because I I was really trying to like reach for it. I like Ertz, I suppose, but you know these receivers might have a tough time with Foles. They certainly have in the past. I don't know if JJ is going to make enough of a difference. Um, this year as opposed to what the Eagles were able to do a couple of years ago. I'm just not sure. Yeah, no I would uh, – for Maybe four we can move this. in his last four playoff games yeah. is what it was. Yeah. Not not like a total Non-Super Bowl playoff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, got it. Sorry, Tom. Uh, I was going to say maybe we can move this on to the next game because I would be much more willing to play any New England Patriot yes. this week than pretty much any other player from any other team. Patriots play the Kansas – Never mind. The Tennessee <laughs> Titans with a, first of all, great comeback. Marcus Mariota, one of the coolest fantasy football plays ever. Oh, yeah. Catches his own touchdown. We calculated it out. It was like 11.75 points. Amazing, amazing, amazing oh, so play. Cool. So cool to see. Probably the only quarterback in the league that could have made that play. Um, and he just did what his team needed to do to win. Derrick Henry looking like he's in for another monstrous feeding uh, because DeMarco Murray still hasn't returned to practice. Not sure why they would play him over Derrick Henry at this point anyway. But yeah, uh, it's I looking like hate... it's time to hand it over to Henry, yeah. huh? And I don't hate Derrick Henry this week. No way. How, How could, could you? you not, he just you went know? nuts. But Tom, you're absolutely right. You want to play any Patriot. Travis Kelsey was in for one of the biggest games of his career if he didn't leave that Chiefs game with a concussion. So I love Gronk this week. He's gonna be in all of the lineups that I make for this for this divisional round. Um and I do think the Patriots win. It's just a matter of can the Titans tighten it up enough to make it close? Yeah, I think uh, Cooks is is a nice play. You saw how well uh, Tyree Kill was able to scoot around in open space in the first half. Uh, in the first half, well, once they lost, once they lost Kelsey, they went they locked in on Tyree Kill, and, and that was you it. know, and that, that really was it. They gave up on Kareem Hunt, and that was it. The Chiefs are dumb, but anyway, they're gone. That's, that's why that's, the running backs coach is the new offensive coordinator. That's why they're yeah right. That's why they're gone. But you know, for the Titans, yeah, um, I don't. I don't necessarily hate Mariota too much either because yeah. I think he'll have to come back. Right. Could get some garbage time, Mariota. Yeah, the, the only guy I'm afraid of is Henry because he's relative unknown. Like, he's had a couple good games going. Otherwise, I mean, honestly, without him, I would bet so much money against the New England Patriots if I was more prone to do that than just play FanDuel and DraftKings. But that's besides the point. All right. So the two seeds in each conference will be playing on Sunday at 105. Jacksonville goes into Pittsburgh where they already went into Pittsburgh and had a five interception game on defense. Leonard Fournette really salted that game away. Probably had his best game as a pro yeah, that in big, that win that against big Pittsburgh. big 90-yard touchdown. Yeah, on. that was the sealer. Um, I don't think this game is going to go anything like that game. It could be close, sure. But we're going to need a much better version of Blake Bortles than the one we got against Buffalo last Sunday. Blake Bortles is a scrambling man. Yeah. What do you mean? You know he, he he was born to run. He still got you the fantasy. Points. <laughs> you know, he always gets the fantasy points, and you know we love to see that. But I don't know. I I you know I I like the Jags. I, I've considered them a super con, Super Bowl contender for a long time. So I'm not just going to rule them out of this game. But the odds are definitely stacked up against them. Uh, you know. At least they have Jalen Ramsey to try and do battle with A.B. At least they have, you know, a good front seven to try and do battle with Le'Veon, but they're going to have their hands full. You know, I, I love Le'Veon for, for daily, too. I, uh, I'm i glad you brought up Antonio Brown. He is going to be – looks like he's going to be back from that calf injury. It's a big spot. He's coming off of a leg injury, playing against a really good secondary. How much investment do you guys think people can make in – 
Antonio Brown in daily fantasy this week. That kind of rhetoric is what scares you, right? When it's yeah. like all that negative, and it's, it's just like, like, no, this is Antonio Brown. He's going to go Brown. for 150 and two. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he can always go crazy, but, you know, I, I like Ramsey. I, yeah. I think he's I think he's really, really good, and I think he'll at least be able to keep him in check. The last time they played, Brown went off, kind of, but it was all in this, like, blowout comeback type of mode where he still caught, like, 10 passes for, like, 150 yards, but it was, like I said, it was all late and kind of meaningless football. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those could be one of those types of games where, you know, you got the, the young guy who was, who's talking a ton of crap and – all of a sudden, you know, the the seasoned pro, the all, one of the all-time greats just comes in and just shows him exactly oh, how great he is and I, I would I root for that for sure. I want to see that. Um, I'm just interested to kind of see which of those two sides comes out because it is it is important to note that he's coming back from a, from a lower leg injury, which is not fun when you're a guy who's, you know, so shifty and and is so able to cut on a dime. Uh, I think New I Orleans actually still like him. I do lot. too. I do too. And I think I it's because if you're going to play with him in daily and you're in a situation where you need to – you're in a big contest, right? You need to beat the lineups of other people, a ton of them, and not just like a top 50% kind of deal. He's actually kind of a contrarian play because right. people are going to go away from him. And at the same time, you get that upside of where this is a guy that you need to have in your lineup to even – be in contention if he goes off he's one of those guys who can go for so many yards that regardless of price he was almost necessary to have on your team to win right. uh, they're home with big ben playing at home i don't know i just like him a little bit more than uh than the average joe probably for sure uh, New Orleans, Minnesota, I think, is my favorite matchup of this week. I think this easily has the best chance to be the best game of the week. Uh, I like Minnesota's chances. I also like New Orleans' chances. Uh, it's going to come down to what that ground game can do because Kamara and Ingram had a really disappointing uh, showing against Carolina. Kamara does get the two-yard touchdown, but they were really held in check. I think combined they were both held under 100 yards, yep. which is just unfathomable. But on the other side, that did mean that Drew Brees picked the Panthers apart. Could it be that the Saints were saving Brees for the postseason so that if the ground game gets too keyed in on, he can just go out there and sling it? I mean, this was something that we had talked about, how why we thought they were so dangerous because their running backs were so good. And if they got in trouble, that Drew Brees, Drew Brees could just bail them out so easily with his incredible passing ability. And I think that's what happened. I think this matchup was, you know, the, the Panthers – defensive front is no joke it's one of the best against the run if not the best against the run in the league they recognized that early and they said drew go ahead and win this one for us yeah so we had a very uh we had a very difficult matchup for the wide receivers coming into this one on minnesota side of the ball with uh crowley and Lattimore. so tom what do you think's going to happen with stefan diggs and adam thielen in this one i'd be more prone to playing adam thielen in uh Dead fantasy and what have you. It's kind of that same thing that I go back to a lot of the time where the slot receivers can kind of escape the tough matchups. They can be schemed out of them a lot more simply. Uh, Stefan Diggs obviously has the bigger upside as far as, you know, going for a lot of yards and a score because he's more prone to uh, a long touchdown. But I think safely and especially in PPR, Adam Thielen is the choice of choices in that wide receiver group. Diggs went for two touchdowns against the Saints, if you remember, early. I was season. actually going to say that, but I didn't want to be wrong, so I'm glad you confirmed it for yep. me. It was on the tip of my tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah, he he went for two against them earlier in the season, but Saints are a much different team than yeah. they were week one. And, you know, the Saints team that played this Minnesota defense was still trying to let Drew Brees throw the ball 45 times a game to win. They've really changed their identity on both sides of the ball since the last time they played. Obviously, week one seems like forever ago and, for both of these And, teams. I mean, look at the Vikings, too. They lose. They started Sam Bradford week one. And Dalvin Cook. Right. You know, so their team's completely different as well. Yeah. But both are both are looking strong and healthy going into this game. Yeah. So, should be. what do you think? You think that they ride the lightning for one more win, or you think this is where it stops? I didn't nickname him Case Race, hashtag ride the lightning for nothing. <laughs> Patriots-Vikings Super Bowl. That's my call. So, obviously, I'm taking the Vikings. Love it. All right. Sure. Uh, that's uh... <laughs> sure, dude. <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it. We've got. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, what's going on in the playoffs at Ruts FF. You can catch Tom at Hillier FF. Scott is at Wags FF. I am at Wise So Serious. Once again, thank you all so much for voting in the year-end awards polls. Uh, we had a lot of fun 
giving them out, and we also had a lot of fun seeing which results won. Um, Tom, unfortunately, came up on the short end of the stick, so he's got some work to do for next year's awards. Uh, and I was also the last one to write them in, okay? Fair enough. I had to come up with the creativity. Fair enough. Um, and also, congratulations, Scott. You won five of the ten categories that we had. Woo! So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, but, you know, I also went first. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> and, and um, you know, of course, Todd Gurley was going to be the MVP. Someone had to nominate him. Yeah. I was just the one to do it. And and same thing kind of with, with Camara and Waiver Wire and Moscow Mule. It's just an amazing nickname. Yeah, of course it is. Well, <laughs> you did come up with that one, so you, you deserve the points yeah. for that. Yep. My only alibi from this episode is I think I might have misspoken and said bet against the Patriots. I meant bet on the Patriots oh, yeah, if I did sure. that. For sure. Dude, uh, I just put my life savings on the Titans. <laughs> oh, uh, hopefully you've got a forgiving bookie, Scott. Uh, tune in to see if Scott's bookie is forgiving next week. Uh, we will see you then. Enjoy the divisional round. Championship weekend football. It's coming at you next week. We will be there to help you break it down. Until next time, keep scoring. Hey, we were born to win. Whoa.